Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This episode was made possible by our patrons. Thanks to everyone who supports us. If you're interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash path to glory. If that's not possible, we still really appreciate the listens. And of course, if you're kind enough, please give us a rating as well. This is Amon Kusro, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jonathan Davis. Hello. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. How was it? Did you party uh, hard? I partied a little bit hard. Um, I had a few beers and uh, with some friends, so that was that was nice. Very cool. I went to the girlfriend's house and we spent some time there. Um, didn't drink because we have a zero tolerance rule in Texas oh. during some of the uh, the bigger, um, I guess, holidays, mm. uh, like 4th of July and stuff. So did not imbibe. But then when I got home, uh, my mom and her sisters who are visiting uh, had got the party kind of started. So I got home around 11 and uh, popped some champagne, had a couple drinks. And then uh, my aunt was like really fascinated with what a shotgun is. <laughs> so um like we, the drinking a beer very quickly yeah well you could do it in any canned drink so in this case okay. we use some white claws because uh calorie friendly gluten-free you know mm. and um took it to the back and so for those of you unfamiliar you pop a hole in the bottom of a can uh where the air bubble is with a key um my brothers and i actually can do it with our thumbs which is pretty cool um, <laughs> uh, sometimes it's messy though and then um, you just pop the top open and then you drink it sideways with the top of the can facing the sky so that the air and the liquid funnel right into your, your throat, your gullet, really. So it's kind of some dumb thing that we Americans do over here. Um, and, uh, you know, did that a lot in college, so still beat everyone, which is pretty cool, but yeah, it's pretty much, you just chug it really fast and it's a great way to get, um, a little tipsy, sometimes even drunk, fairly quite fairly fast you don't realize how quickly or how much you're consuming so she did that it was kind of funny because she had like poured half of out beforehand and it still took her ages but <laughs> she's cool you know she's a uh, she's a bit younger so she's just trying to i guess do what the cool kids do you know <laughs> yeah i guess some people like to enjoy their their drinks I, I don't know if you've ever hung out with australians but they have a thing called a shoey where they will pour the beer into their shoe and then drink it out of that so oh yeah yeah i'm very familiar in college (laughs) for some reason we that's what that made me think of. (laughs) so it's called a boot shoot so there's that so i went to the university of houston so we have this thing called frontier fiesta and a lot of the organizations can like throw some money together and pretty much have their own like mini bar slash club over a weekend and people can buy tickets and you can make a lot of money and we serve food and so i remember uh, some of the guys and i tried it a couple times and then I think my girlfriend was like, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I'm not kissing you. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll stop. But you get a beer and you pour it in your boot. Because, uh, you know, we wear cowboy boots down in Texas. Um, so I own a pair, but I only really wear it like a couple times a year, including the rodeo. So chug that down. Um, and then you put your shoe back on. And it's ridiculous. But we all did it. Yeah, somehow I feel like that's worse than the Australian version. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, we just like to have a good time and party. And sometimes, you know, yeah. it's environmentally friendly, number one. So if you're, <laughs> sorry, if you're like an Authority Guardians fan, you know, 
we're saving the environment here by using something reusable, I guess, and not using plastic cups. So yeah, that's that's the silver lining there, I guess. Anyway, anyway, yeah. this has been uh, Texas drinking podcast. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So uh, I guess we'll jump to the main topic today, which is obviously supposed to be about Underworlds. Um, Deck building in Dire Chasm. This is something that we think would be really fun. Uh, Just going to talk about some of the prevalent or more obvious strategies and maybe some synergies and combos that are currently in the game and how you can possibly build decks and what warbands work well with them. Um, there's a bunch of them to cover, so we'll be jumping through them and, and highlighting the, the main points here and, and a couple weaknesses as well. But uh, it's really exciting, and um, you know, Jonathan thought it'd be a really cool idea, and, and we jumped on it really quickly. So that's what we're going to be talking about today for our Patreons and our patrons, rather. Um, stick around for the end phase. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, the end phase is a Patreon-exclusive mini-episode that we do after our major episodes where we talk about bunch of things that are relevant to underworlds whether it's has to do with this episode or the topic of this episode or something else entirely it's just a fun way for us to say thank you to the support of our patrons so today's end phase episode we will be talking about a curse breaker deck that i've been playing recently um, and i still think that even though storm grandfather daddy whatever is uh, a menace in arena mortis storm sire still holds it down in the championship and alliance format so looking forward to that one yeah, me too. Awesome. Well, uh, let's jump to our news segment. Jonathan, what you got? Yeah, in news, um, we have a few things. First of all, we have a number of new patrons since our last episode. So thanks to Kel, Bri D, Nathan, and Jamie. We now have 20 supporters, which is amazing. And we really appreciate the support. Yeah. Didn't realize that we jumped to 20 so quickly. So, so thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much. And um, we've been doing some additional Patreon support to thank you uh, for that. And uh, I guess, Jonathan, go ahead and, and talk about some of that. Yeah, if you are a member of the Patreon, we've also uh, released a number of new recorded games. Um, I've been recording a number of the games that I've been playing from the cam events and some cam games that I've played just individually with people. Um, we also were able to meet over the Christmas break and play some games in person between Amon and I. That was a lot of fun. Um, so we've put those up as well. Um, and if you're not a member of the patron, we may have some of those videos on our YouTube channel at some point in the future. So keep an eye out for that. That's right. We will be slowly taking over the internet, (laughs) um, or at least do our best. Uh, yeah. Yeah. YouTube games to watch. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I I am starved for uh, watching games myself on YouTube. I've, you know, watched a bunch of, um, videos and there's some great channels out there. Shout out to agents of Sigmar and the Battlecast. Um, though they've been a little preoccupied, I guess, with COVID and some other things. So, um, you know, hopefully we can, uh, we can contribute to that. And, uh, you know, I've been so bored. I watched, I rewatched some of those games actually myself. (laughs) Um, so I do recommend watching it on like 1.25 speed because, uh, Jonathan and I do take a little bit of time to think about our decisions, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. Um, we've also been busy on the blog lately. So Jonathan released his first event recap article on the Path to Glory podcast blog last week. This focused on the Lady Harrow's deck that he took to the Straight Out of Shadespire 10 event. For those of you unfamiliar, the Straight Out of Shadespire event, this was the 10th one, 
is a, uh, a like I guess a a tournament that's a webcam event where players mm-hmm. from all over the world. Uh, Jonathan gets up very early for these. I know Max Bernstein joins them and play some webcam games. It's the closest that we can get during this era of social distancing. And uh, you won. You went undefeated. Yep. Yep. Spoiler there. I, I did. Uh, I did win that one. I, it was nice because the last time I had went zero and four. <laughs> so <laughs> this time I went four and zero. Well, you know, life uh, comes full circle. Yeah. I was just saving those wins for the uh, for this one. <laughs> yeah. So you get uh, you get to retire the Lady Harrows then since you've won an event with them, I guess. Yeah, most likely, um, unless there's a reason to play them, uh, maybe in the upcoming team league. I'll, I'll have a reason to play them, but um, I think I'll probably retire them and uh, just see what I want to play next. When Jonathan says a reason, it means unless they're OP. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that would be the main reason. Yep. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. The um, It's best of one in the cam game events um, because the games do take a little bit longer uh, to play. And uh, um. But you know, the it's four rounds and uh good opponents and stuff. I, I weirdly ended up playing um the Dread Pageant three of the four games, so <laughs> that was interesting. But uh um <clears throat> it was a lot of fun and I was I missed the most recent one, but I'll try to make it to the next one. So Yeah, the um, Dread Pageant is actually an interesting matchup because they're trying to do the same thing you are. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then next we have, uh, just in time for this episode, um, you just released uh, a meta predictions article on the blog. Um, I'm sure we'll refer to it throughout the episode, but I think it's definitely worth a read on its own. I know I enjoyed it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, my, my, my thought process here was to just throw out some ideas of what you know we had been seeing in our practice groups online and, and uh, some of my personal thoughts on what I, I thought was good. And, and you know we've got an upcoming community event I think next week, so six days from now, at time of recording, and so um, hopefully you know didn't foil anyone's secret plans or anything. But <laughs> I think I think a lot of that stuff is pretty obvious if you've been playing the game a lot. Um, I think it's definitely geared towards players who may not be actively playing as much or are familiar with the the meta. But I think it's a good read, regardless of your experience of the game, just so that you can be aware of these things as you're building your decks and, and submitting them to any local online or um, you know, friendly events at home as well. Yeah, and I especially liked your Dark Horse candidate, which... Oh, but we won't spoil that. <laughs> right, you'll have to read the article. Um, right. And then the other one is, uh, going back to the cam game events, shout out to RG, who won the uh, Straight Outta Shadespire 11 event that was yesterday, and uh, with the Purifiers beating Val's Crushes in the final. I wasn't able to play in that one, but um, the next one will be on the 6th of February, and I hope to compete on that one. I think the last couple times we've had 16 players, which is great, um, but I believe they would accept more if anybody else wants to play in those. Absolutely. And shout out to Val, who's one of our patrons. He runs the Straight Out of Shadespire events. Yeah. Lots of planning um, because I think he's in Europe, and then, you know, you're a participant, and you're here in the United States, and, and I think there's some players from all over different time zones, so some people it's quite late in the evening for others it's the wee hours of the morning so <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of coordination and stuff and he does a great job so appreciate it absolutely shout out to val uh and then we also mentioned uh that there is another online tournament on the uh, on a community discord on the 9th of january um reach out to shuby the username there he kind of runs that discord 
Um, unfortunately, so I think Jonathan, you're busy that weekend. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to have some uh, relatives in town that I uh, will have to amuse. <laughs> Indeed, uh, for me, I uh, I don't want to play, and the only reason being, <laughs> and hear me out here, is because I think spoiler. Malog is very strong and some of the stuff he can do is quite silly. It can actually be quite frustrating. So I think there's a, a little bit of lack of, of tuning in the meta right now. And so for me, uh, I'm having plenty of fun playing in some of the, you know, local group events or, or sorry, like my gaming group, which is awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. and some of my, my practice buddies online, but I, I don't want to slam my face into Malogs over and over again and hoping rebound works. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get that. And I mean, I guess there's a pretty good chance you won't see too many of them. But uh, for me, just that many games in a row is uh, also kind of a lot online. So, yeah, it was really interesting because like I was really into it when we got to play in person. Um, it was weird. Like I uh, I just immediately fell back into it and, and just was like having a lot of fun. And, and I think for me, it's more stimulating for my mind. So mm-hmm. my thought process is there it's active, it's relevant, it's, it's paying attention. Well, I think it's like really easy to like start browsing online or, or looking at your phone on some of these online events, you know? So, um, for me personally, again, I, I know that the community loves them. I love like watching them and hearing about them and talking about them. And so again, shout out to the amazing community that we have for this game who are keeping the game alive during this pandemic. Um, but I am more than happy to sit on the sidelines, um, and, and kind of watch and, uh, you know, we can we can see what that meta is like. You know, maybe my predictions are right. You know, maybe they're wrong. But uh, regardless, hopefully we can uh, interview that winner. That'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. All okay. right. Well, I think that is it for news. That's right. That's right. So let's jump into the main segment, the meat of the episode today. Diarchasm deck building. Absolutely. Yeah, we thought it would be cool to break down um, pretty much all of the common strategies um, where possible and talk about deck building in the new season. That's right. So we'll briefly cover each strategy as we see it, which warbands we think we can play in these styles, some strengths and weaknesses. And so um, for a lot of you, this may be like a, like a, like a, um, a learning experience, you know, just to understand like what's, what's meta and what's not, but uh, let's talk about, let's talk about deck building. So let's start off with lost pages. Um, so for those of you unfamiliar, Lost Pages uh, is essentially stacking upgrades such as um, Yara's Instant Shield, for example, and uh, onto a wizard. So they're wizard restricted, so kind of limits your choices here and getting a big payoff by keeping your wizard alive at the end of the game. And then there's a card called uh, the Scattered Tome, which is an upgrade which you equip to your fighter and if you are able to get a lot of lost pages on them then for every lost page you have at the end of the game you gain a glory point so it's a pretty it's a pretty big investment in terms of your power par- uh, power card especially your upgrades but i think it's really neat style to play the game and a little bit more balanced because uh wizards are rare to come by and i think it helps kind of keep them relevant in the current meta yeah so do you think this is like a viable build? I know that you've tried this with, uh, I think, the Purifiers. I have tried this with Purifiers, uh, Guardians, and Curse Breakers. Those are the big three, I think, that can really mess with it. I've actually tried a Godsworn on deck with this as well. <laughs> uh, 
Though I think Fedra being on one dodge is a little difficult. Um, it's also good with Vortimus, I guess, with Eyes of the Nine, because he's a pretty survivable yeah, yeah. wizard, and he can kind of teleport around the board should the cards come into play. So I, I think it is pretty decently viable. I think uh, at the end of the Beast, or actually mid-Beast Grave season, we saw some success with the Lost Pages with Altharis Guardians. Um, but the biggest weakness with Altharis is our three wounds, right? Right. And uh, as one of the games we played over the winter break that we posted online, um, it's sometimes you just don't roll a crit with her, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So it's hard to inspire. Um, but I think if you're going to invest into this, then you should definitely. So there's some obvious choices like Yara's Instant Shield. Um, but then, you know, some of the other spells may not be efficient in terms of what they do, but being worth a glory is pretty nice. So generally, you're going to want to keep your leader alive. So maybe take cards like Commanding Stride. Uh, Rebound is an excellent choice. Um, And then, you know, if your warband or faction has access to some faction cards that can prevent damage. I mean, Lucky Escape is even a nice one here. What you're really doing is you're you're relying on the basic strengths or stats of your warband and then just kind of pumping everything up into your your wizard. So um, it's a very do or die strategy, quite literally. If you survive, then you get some great glory. If you don't, then, um, you know, if your wizard dies, then, you know, you're pretty much lost. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I actually found a lot of success with wild hunt with this warband with Carthan cause he kind of starts with two dodge, which is pretty nice, uh, in beast grave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I think it's pretty good. I think if you're going to want to do it, you go curse breakers. I think they have the best wizard leader in the game and then getting him with Yara's is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, getting him on guard maybe with, uh, I guess you can't react simultaneously. Can you react the same time with Yara's instant shield and tight defense? Um, I'd have to check. For, I want to say that they're different uh, windows, but yeah, uh, I'd have to check. Well, if you can't, then you just take um, survival <laughs> instincts, right? Um, if you want to, yeah, but yeah. you don't even need it because you have a three fighter warband and you can spend one of those activations to be on guard. And the nice thing about the curse breakers is that uh, the, if you, if Stormsire does die, you can still put it on one of the other two if you need to. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. um, if you if he goes down, you you can maybe hold that lost pages, um, the scattered tome rather, stick it on someone else and try to get maybe one or two pieces of glory there if you're cycling through. But I think in this deck, you you definitely need a draw engine. Mm-hmm. So for me, I prefer a quick search over frenzied search because frenzied search can sometimes put you in this. Uh, precarious situation where the only cards you have are actually pages. Right. And so discard a page is actually hurting you. So I prefer a quick search, even though it's maybe slightly less efficient, depending on who you ask. And to the end, I think is great because you're going to be drawing. You're going to try to get to the bottom of your deck, get all those upgrades out there. So um, I think that's some synergies with lost pages. And that's what I would start with if I'm going to be building a deck around them. Yeah. And what I like about it is that it doesn't have uh, an objective card tied to it, like uh, the avatar or some of the other things that we've seen before, like tomes, um, because you can sort of do any kind of deck with it as long as it you know fits the warband that you're playing. And then you also have this extra glory in your upgrades. And you do have to be careful about throwing away cards or mulliganing your first hand. But um, it's, a, it's a pretty cool take on the, uh, you know, something like tomes or relics and things that we've seen before. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's, it's I'm glad you mentioned that because like you can really get aggressive with Amos and Rastus. Like they're pretty scary yeah. once they get inspired and um you can kind of just be really aggressive. I mean, hell, you can even be aggressive with Stormsire cuz he's got that range 3 attack profile. 
And then, you know, you stack deserve confidence on him. So maybe you don't need that survival instincts or tight defense. Yeah. And he starts getting really nasty. And and you're going to probably want to bump pump him up with wounds as well, even though he may be worth two glory if he's end up taken out because of that new rule. Six wounds or more is worth two glory mm-hmm. because um, even if he if he dies, you know, you lose pretty much. Right. So, um, yeah. Taking yeah. that risk, I think, is is worth it. So, uh, I don't know if it's the most efficient strategy out there, but I certainly think it's enjoyable, and I think it's very balanced because uh, you just, your your enemy game plan is pretty simple. If you're facing against something like this, kill the wizard. Yeah, exactly, and I, I think it's cool how even in war bands like Wild Hunt or um, the Purifiers, you can sort of go aggro with everybody else, and then have this as like a backup glory plan. So, I think they're cool, and I think um, you know, I guess it, it'll depend on the new war bands that are coming out and the wizards that they have and stuff, but maybe we'll see more of this. Um, I think this is a little bit niche right now, but it's definitely playable. hundred percent, hundred percent. Cool. Well, let's go to the next one, which is the combo uh, stuff. (laughs) Um, I think in the past we have said that this wasn't really that good, even after arena mortis. Um, But I think that, maybe with the rotation and then all the arena mortis cards, I think maybe we're at a point where it's sort of playable now. Um, and the cards that I'm thinking of when I think of uh, the combo stuff would be um, audacious faint and flashy follow-up and ignoble blow, which are three weapons. Um, audacious, audacious faint is for smash. Uh, it's only one damage but it's very accurate. Ignoble Blow has sort of a built-in uh, tiebreaker effect. So it's three smash, two damage. And if you tie on the attack, as long as you have at least one success, it goes through. So it's it's pretty accurate. Um, and then Flashy Follow-Up is a two smash, two damage with, if you use it as a combo, it does three smash, three damage. So those are pretty good. And then the thing that I think makes this worthwhile is the Gambit cards, Fancy Footwork, which after you get a successful combo attack, you can draw three power cards. And then uh, the other one is Winded, which is you can choose uh, to give an enemy fighter a charge token if they're adjacent to one of your fighters with a combo card, but it takes a uh, glory to do so. But depending on the situation, putting a charge token next to an enemy fighter can be pretty incredible. (laughs) No, I completely agree, and I think... I think that's that's probably one of the, the more fun ones to mess around with and, and try to get right. And so hopefully there's more combo support in the future. But I think if you can... So you probably want to throw a draw engine in there because you want to draw your combo mm-hmm. card. And then you've already got that natural synergy with that draw. So maybe to the end is, is pretty good here. Um, but I also think, as you mentioned earlier, the last pages, you don't necessarily need your objective deck to rely on combo, right? Like you can yeah. you can kind of do your game plan. And then, you know, so ideally it's on an aggressive warband. Um, I think it works really well with Spike Claw Swarm. Um, the fact that Scritch can keep bringing your combo monster to life is pretty neat. Um, you have a Gambit card that can, there, there are always more where you can bring a Skaven mm. back. Um, and the Grimwatch are also a great candidate. Um, it may be less efficient, but you know, if you can get that glory train running with those objective placements and those uh, holding them rather, then you know, you can tool up a ghoul and go to town as long as the Duke stays alive. So uh, I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, because they're both they're both kind of fast, both those warbands. Yeah, and the fun thing about Winded is you can also take Leadbone Dust, which is one of the poisons that will give a move token and ensnare um, to the target. And then so between those two, you can have a lot of control over some of the smaller warbands. 
which I think are doing pretty good right now. So um, I think it's a pretty cool um, way to play. I think that you're right that probably Grimwatch and Spike Claws kind of uh, stick out to me the most. I actually was messing around with the Eyes of the Nine deck and I put it in there, but I'm not really sure if it's worth it. <laughs> oh, you're trying to make the horror combo god? Well, he can't take the weapons, but the, everybody else can. Um, and so I thought having the control would be nice. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm just not sure if I have enough reps with it. They, they just haven't come out the way I wanted them to. I think you're absolutely right about the card draw. You do sort of rely on having the weapons out when you need them for fancy footwork and winded. And that's probably the biggest weakness of this strategy um, is having the, the cards that you need at one time. But it's pretty cool. And when it works, um, like winded can just be devastating. Yeah, it's a great way to shut down, actually, maybe like an enemy Voltron fighter as well, like maybe Molog or Morgok or Cursebreaker. And I think one of the bigger weaknesses of this and the previous aforementioned strategy is that sometimes your power hands can be tricky when you first draw them because you might not want to discard some of the cards. So I think that's where that draw attack really comes in handy. So it might be worth taking a restricted slot or even two, uh, you know, to get that frenzied and that quick search in maybe for the combo stuff. So. Yeah, I think that's true. And but I also think that even just having a natural truce and fancy footwork together is uh, kind of nice. So and, and it doesn't take a restricted slot. But that's right. I, th- I think that probably the um, the biggest weakness of both combo and lost pages is that they're they do take a lot of upgrade slots. And there are a lot of really good upgrades in the game right now. So um, it can sometimes you just don't have room for them. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think I think it's a it's it's a it's a synergy that is not yet fully tapped, um, despite the amazing support that it received from Arena Mortis. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we get more on the way, so we can see some of the cool, because um, you know the idea is like this guy is just or this individual this fighter is going off right like just yeah. boom 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 boom, <laughs> and uh, I just I want to see the boom boom. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Cool. Uh, anything you want to add for combo? Um, not really. I don't think we saw any new combo stuff in the uh, Dire Chasm set. So I guess we'll see if uh, it was a, you know, Beast Grave only thing or if there'll be more of it. So that's right. Interested to see yeah. that. Absolutely. Um, so let's jump to Mortis Relics. Uh, and boy, oh boy, have these made a splash into the meta. Um, I think initially we were kind of warm on them, but... Um, yeah, I think we've been happy and upset that we've been uh, proved a little bit wrong here and that they've been a, a smash hit and a must buy for Arena Mortis here. So let's go over the cards really quickly. So you've got the Gauntlet of Command. Um, and it's pretty much this fighter has two or more Mortis Relics. So this is kind of how all the Mortis Relics works, where the, the effects start when you have at least two of them equipped. So you've got the Gauntlet of Command, which uh, if this fighter has two or more Mortis Relics, they gain a wound. It's pretty neat. Uh, reaction, which doesn't need more than one relic. The reaction works at all times whenever the card is equipped. Mm-hmm. After this fighter's activation, they can spend a glory point, and if they do, they can push a friendly fighter one hex, including the the bearer or the wearer of the gauntlet, because it's a friendly fighter. Um, if we jump to the gauntlet of dominance, which goes on the left hand, uh, mm-hmm. if you're holding, if your fighter is uh, two or more mortis relics, then plus one damage. Pretty solid. Uh, very nice tool. Um, so plus one wound and plus one damage right there. If you use those after this fighter's activation, spend one glory point. If you do push one enemy fighter, one hex. So a lot of disruption there, which is pretty neat. So it can help you get on objectives, uh, you know, get off 
or push enemies off and, and, you know, bring them closer to you, push them away. And then we start with, or we end with the crown of the dead. So if this fighter has one or, or two or more modus relics, you can reroll one attack dice in this fighter's attack rolls. So uh, if you get them all three together, you get that plus one wound, plus one damage, and you get that accuracy buff with that reroll, which is pretty neat, essentially adding another dice to your attack. Mm-hmm. And then the reaction is after this fighter's activation, spend one glory point if you do draw two power cards and then discard one. Keep in mind that you don't have to discard one of the two you drew. You just have to draw two, then look at your hand as a whole, and then discard one away. Um, and they're actually really good <laughs> <laughs> um, to the point where Gauntlet of Dominance got restricted. Yeah. And so it's really similar, actually, to Combo and Lost Pages in that you're really relying on upgrades to come out so that you can literally dominate the battlefield mm-hmm. with a single fighter. Um, you, you're going to see this usually on the leader or a fighter with a lot of wounds like Molog, Hrothgorn, or any of the crushes, really. And uh, getting that, just that that opportunity, that that choice every round, every activation, actually, to be able to um, manipulate the board state or your hand, I think it's fantastic. Uh, very, very nice synergies there. They do take three upgrade spots, and upgrades I think are very hard to are very hard to choose in the current meta. There's a lot of great upgrades in Beastgrave, mm-hmm. and a couple a couple excellent ones in the Diarchasm uh, game set. But I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, you stick this on Molog, who has multiple activations around. Maybe with Vision and Glory, you get a third activation, and your opponent's in for some hurt. You're gonna stop them from scoring, or you're just gonna brutalize them. Either way, sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's the key to these things having a lot of power is because if, if you have all three of these on someone and then you charge with them, for example, you're only going to be able to use one of the three possible reactions and you're only going to be able to do it once because you charged. But if you're able to put this on a fighter that can make other meaningful activations and get these effects more than once, then it can be really, really devastating. I've played against these with crushes and they'll be on Morgok and he will just go on guard and then he'll distract somebody off of something. And then he'll use his, uh, you know, action and then he'll move the, his fighters and then he'll push somebody else off of something or he'll draw some cards and then he'll finally charge and then he'll, you know, draw more cards or something like that. Um, and it is true. You have to have, you know, a number of unspent glory in order to do those things. But once you get going, you know, probably in the second round, you probably will have some extra glory. So um, that cost ends up not um, not being as relevant once the game gets going. Although I would say none of these are particularly strong early game upgrades, but they probably make up for it in their, you know, mid to late game power. Yeah. And that's when like, you know, if you get like two relics in your opening hand, like yeah. it's not bad because you, if you get the glory, you can equip them, then you're, you're, you're going to see some benefit immediately, whether it's a wound, right. a reroll or a strength up, uh, you know, boost. So, and all of those are great. Um, so <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. They're very good. They're very good, especially on big, big boys. So, like, you know, Molog with this can jump to eight wounds. You give him desert confidence. He's at nine, great fortitude, 10, uh, you know, ferocious resistance. He'll have that back. So yeah. it's pretty powerful. Um, and I think that uh, um, one that you need to be aware about. And, uh, and, and if you were going to see your opponent start stacking these on a fighter, kill them immediately. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think it's good that uh, Gauntlet of Dominance is restricted. I think taking three of them is a real deliberate choice you have to make. Um, I've taken just Gauntlet of Command and the Crown of the Dead for no restricted slots before, and it's okay. Um, but having all three uh, sort of dials up their power significantly, I've, I've noticed. 
Yeah, because you want three, right? Because like the thing is, is that the, the the rule of three is something that I use in Underworlds, where you have at least three cards that can trigger something. Right, right. Um, so ideally, you get two of the three, um, and you're probably going to throw some draw tech in there because Crown of the Dead naturally synergizes with to the end. So then maybe you know you can take frantic, you can take to the end, and put that in there. Some from reliable end of end of game glory. Even if your warband gets wiped, you can still draw yeah. and play power cards. And so. Um, as a, as a theme you're seeing here, all these upgrade-related um, synergies, draw is great because you need those upgrades to be, on the, to be on the field. So you can either score glory from them, kill your opponent, or disrupt them and stop them from sc- scoring. So the control element here is pretty nasty, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I think uh, I think you definitely have to plan for these and uh, plan to see a lot of them. I'm not really sure if there's any uh, particular counterplay that you can do if, if you're expecting these other than to kill the person with all the relics. Well, I think Grimwatch have like some objective destruction. Or upgrade, yeah, yeah. Destruction. Upgrade like scrabbling, scrabbling claws I think is one of them. That's true. And I think there is actually a universal uh, one as well. I think it's Shattering Howl where if a friendly fighter dies, you can uh, remove an upgrade. So that could be some anti-relic tech there, I guess. Yeah, and then there's also... Um, I think the Harrows have one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Arcane Siphon, maybe. And they yes, uh, it's an action where you can remove an upgrade. That one's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I had so that in my maybe, Harrows deck for a minute, but I ended up taking it out. Yeah, I mean the upgrade spot is just so tight right now. But if you're looking for some counterplay, I think those are some great spots to start. And uh, Grimwatch and Harrows are both doing really well right now, so maybe you can fit it in. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <clears throat> okay. Uh, well, let's jump to some of the uh, the other synergies here, um, namely Quarry. So, uh, oh, sorry, not Quarry. Um, I skipped a line. Jonathan, go ahead. Oh, that's okay. Um, the next one is the Avatar of the Urgrub uh, with the Avatar Risen. Um, I think we see a lot of Sting of the Urgrub, but if you take the other two pieces of it as well that give you Ensnare and a Heal on an attack... You upgrade to the avatar, and then you can score the avatar risen, which is a uh, end phase three glory uh, objective card. So it's uh, a kind of like the tomes that we've seen before. Um, what do you think of this one? Well, do you want to share what the avatar so becoming the avatar does? Sure. Yeah. Um, it. I'm, I'm doing this ma- mainly off of memory. I believe you get ensnare plus one damage, and if you make a successful attack, you have you get a heal on a range one or two attack. So, uh, so it just pretty much combines the three. Yeah. It, but it also gives it to range two, which uh, I guess is a little bit better than uh, the, I believe their, their upgrades are all range one when they're by themselves. Uh, very nice. So um, I would say that the upgrades themselves are okay. Um, it's snare can, is good, but can be situational. Um, Urgrub uh, or the sting of the Urgrub, the damage is, you know, nice if you're range one. Uh, I think the heal can be nice, but I probably wouldn't take it by itself. But for three glory, um, if you have all, you know, three on one fighter, uh, I would say that's pretty good. I think so. I think that the, the cool thing is, and I played a game against a, a buddy today where they actually had all three of the Urgrub upgrades in their opening hand. Oh. Uh, scored in of glory, 
threw them on and then scored the uh, the Avatar Risen <laughs> for three glory in the first round wow. uh, on their on their uh, their Hearthcorn, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> and sometimes that can happen, right? Um, yeah, that's true. You know, so I think uh, that is a is a very neat strategy. And again, you know, we're relying on these upgrades. So you're going to want that draw attack. He did run to the end as well. Uh, and, and I guess veteran hunter is a good one cause you can spend an action to draw two cards. So, um, I, I kind of like it because it can really help some of those lower scoring war bands. Um, if you watched some of our games, if you're a patron, if not um, a quick synopsis on one of the games is that it really helped with Galligan mm-hmm. in the Eltharis guardians. Um, I was able to stack them all on him and when the warding stands, he kind of became like a, a tank. Uh, dealing damage back, which I think is so cool. <laughs> and uh, he yeah, kind of, you know, just gives some nice end game boost, you know, and you could, you can, because people think like when you're playing Eltharis that you can, they'll just go for your leader. Right. And no one really wants to fight Galligan because they're afraid of that damage. But then when you force him to do it and you make it to where he's very survivable, I think that was kind of fun for me. And, and it kind of made me realize that you can throw this on whomever. Um, you could throw this on a clan rat from Skaven and then play that card at the end as insurance to come back and get three glory. Yeah. That's true. You can, you can throw this on a big boy like Molog or the crushes or Hrothgorn. You can, you can do this on uh, hell, even, even Stormsire, right? Like the thing is here is that you can get some great glory mid game. So what historically is a kind of synergy that rewards you at the end of the game, you can actually get this as today, case in point first round and three glory is very nice in any game off one card period so yeah yeah and the fact that it's not a third end phase card like you know something like the tomes where um does mean that sometimes you'll score it early so that is pretty cool yeah i think out of the the whole the upgrade style strategies that we've highlighted thus far um i'd probably say that mortis relics and lost pages are stronger because i think the avatar reason is one that has the individual upgrades are a little bit subpar aside from sting, right? As you mentioned, yeah. like with the Mortis relics, even getting, you know, one or two of them on can be pretty useful. And then with lost pages, like Yara's instant shield is worth it alone. Right. So, yeah, can be. um, I think, I think this is a, is an interesting one. Um, but I think it, it can be, it can be used very efficiently, very commonly. And I think it's a great way to throw some glory boosts into your deck. Yeah. I think the fact that anyone can use it and then, as the game goes, you get to decide who to use it on um, helps it. Uh, it's a little bit more universal, um, but I, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it really depends on what fighters you have and what else you're trying to do. The more card draw you have, the the better it's going to be. I don't, I don't like having cards. I can't score in certain rounds and I wouldn't say you can reliably score this in the first round, but um, for three glory, you know, and then the potential of doing it sometimes and then maybe sometimes in the second round. Um, I think it's solid. I know that in the game we played, um, it was a bit of a cool moment when I was, I definitely was trying to focus on Yulthari. Um, and I, I, cause I figured you probably had lost pages or something. And then when you ended up having avatar and it was at that point, probably too late for me to be able to kill Galligan. Um, you know, that was a, a big moment. So that was cool about it. Yeah, and and the cool thing is, is like in the game, if we if we had played a second game, um, you know, you could you might focus Galligan, and I can just be like, cool, I'm just going to use Eldari <laughs> instead now. You know, yeah, exactly. That's the neat thing about it that you mentioned is that it can go on anybody. Yeah, absolutely. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's jump to the one that I flubbed a little bit earlier. <laughs> so uh, quarry is something that I find very interesting. And we've actually seen a lot of great quarry support. Uh, but there's this package that you can use and it revolves around a card called Absolute Stillness. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, it's a two glory end face card. If a quarry is holding an objective and they don't have any move or charge tokens, you can gain that two glory. Um, Jonathan, what do you think about this? I mean, I think I think it's been I think at the end of Beast Grave, it was pretty popular. Yeah, it was. I think that that had a lot to do with uh, Crypto Companion being a quarry card that is what was worth taking um, back then. I think it's a little bit tighter now. And we also had Strength of Terror unrestricted, but now it is restricted. So I haven't seen as much of this because I don't know if the quarry cards are quite as powerful anymore. Um, and it may also be the dominant position is just similar but better. So you just take that instead. Um, right now, I don't know if I would play this outside of maybe Thorns because they can push people around so well. We've also lost a lot of the really good pushes like um, Quickening Greaves and Two Steps Forward. Um, so it may just be harder to do now. And and as we've, you know, the theme of this episode is, wow, there are a lot of good upgrades. Um, <laughs> and it's it just competes with the, with a lot of those, I think. Yeah, I, I will say that Sidestep, Gauntlet of Command, Hungry Advance. Yeah. Um, those are all great alternatives, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one thing that I find really interesting is that it's it's pretty easy to do with Dread Pageant as well. It could be. Yep. And we also have Mischievous Spirits and Restless Prize, so um, you just have to you just have to have a fighter that hasn't moved yet, which can sometimes be the challenge with it. Yeah, I, I think so. And so I think um, it's certainly something that can see play and maybe your opponents have forgotten about it. And so maybe you can get some quick glory. Um, I do think if you're going to use this, it's probably going to go on a Horde Warband just because um, that Cryptic is is pretty nice and that glory is what you're looking for by holding objectives. So Cryptic in this, I think, is the probably most efficient way. But we've seen players experiment in the past like, you know, with, with other obscure quarry cards, but just to get that consistency in the deck. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's something to keep in mind. And, you know, if we get more quarry stuff, which uh, we've had a few so far, and it seems like maybe we'll get more, um, this could certainly come back around. Yeah, sure thing. Um, the next uh, group of cards is what I am calling, uh, I guess it's hold objective play, but the part I want to focus on first is the hold to objective play, which... I consider to be things like dominant position, uncontested, hidden purpose, swift capture, path to victory. Um, it is objective play because it's involving objectives, but you don't really have to have a big warband to do it, unlike the whole three objective play like temporary victory and supremacy. Um, and this, I think, is very popular right now. Oh, I think it's the way it's the way most people are playing the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it, basically, unless you can't, um, you know, like I guess Mala probably can't play this way. Um, I think this is a viable uh, way to play almost of the any of the other war bands. Um, some more than others. Like I don't know if uncontested is a great pick for everybody, but um, most war bands with over three fighters can probably uh, do a lot of this stuff fairly well. Um, Personally, I think I like this because uh, it makes objectives important and the sort of game that you're playing against your opponent to control more of the board is interesting to me. Um, 
What do you think about it? Yeah, so I think I think you're absolutely right. It definitely makes so dominant positions introduction and the conjunction of cards that you've mentioned, I think, do make objectives more relevant, right? I mean, hidden yeah. purpose is, is very popular in general, but I think the fact that you can so one of the biggest weaknesses of objective warbands in the past, and, and perhaps somewhat mitigated because of the surge style scoring that Beastgrave uh, introduced, is the fact that if you like if you don't get the three objectives, uh, it's a little bit harder. And so with this two objective play, regardless if you win the board roll off or not, you're always going to get two, and you're always going to be able to place at least two. So unless you have a very witty opponent, you can hopefully manipulate it into where you can get some great and easy objective secures right and then with so many sidesteps well not so many sidesteps but a lot of ways to manipulate the board placement with distraction and mischievous spirits things like that mm-hmm. you can actually consistently do well with dominant position i mean you just need to hold one and glorious triumph helps with that as well right like you can mischievous mm-hmm. spirits the whole board nobody's holding one but you are because you got that glorious triumph so um, i think there's a lot of cool ways that you can play this but i think it's a very powerful and popular way to play the game right now and uh i think you know whether you're invested in cards like these i mean taking hidden purpose and dominant position alone i think may be worth it in in many decks and you can score that regardless of the game plan as long as you pay attention to the cards uh and the board state yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that some level of this, you may not go all the way into uncontested and path to victory and things like that, but um, some level of this is, I would say, worth trying with almost almost every warband. It may even be like the default way to play, I think, right now. Uh, I think you can do other things. You don't have to play this way, but um, I know I'm putting it in a lot of a lot of my decks. Yeah, and, and I think it works really well, man. Like I, I've seen it work to success against you, I've used it to success and a lot of people that we play with are, are just really holding on to it. And it's, and it's something that I thought is, I think is so interesting because like the last, the first two seasons of this game, at least that were objective, uh, tokens were a family portals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they've slowly transitioned to like strategic pieces of the board that have a lot of import and, and they hold a lot of weight. And so I think that's probably how the game should have been. Um, and I'm really glad that we've gotten to this point where we're actively fighting over these tokens that we are forced to place on the board and the placement of these and the execution and the control makes a lot of sense on an item that's called an objective. So I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that I think I've seen a lot less of the hold three objective play with temporary victory and supremacy. Um, I think that may just have to do with the number of like disruption tools versus the number of like push tools. I feel like um, with the, like the, how powerful the Mortis Relics are and, um, you know, distractions and mischievous spirits and restless prize and all that. Um, I think holding three is a little bit unreliable. Um, but uh, it may also just have to do with the warbands that are good at it. Um, you know, like Thorns and Gits and uh, Grimwatch um, may just not have to work that hard if, if there are other cards for them to score. Like Dominant. I agree. You know, I completely agree. I think, um, I think Beastgrave made just just in Beastgrave alone, supremacy was too slow. Yeah, it's too slow of a card. You can make more glory. You can generate more glory by just holding two and going through those surges. And temporary victory was the only was only taken because, or first of all, it's a two uh, yeah. a two glory surge, which is pretty powerful. 
And then secondly, like you don't have to hold it to the end of the round. Right. So a lot of people will, will save that mischievous spirit, right? Uh, for, for, um, the end, the end of the, the end of the round, at least. So, um, temporary victory, I think is, is not as popular. You're completely right. But I do see, uh, certain people leaning into it and I, I don't think it's a, it's a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess you're also right about, um, glorious triumph. I, I don't think I, I've played with that one a little bit. I may want to try it more. Um, its existence does maybe make supremacy a little bit easier, um, for some war bands. So I could see, um, I could see using, you know, trying to use that to help secure it. But, um, I think I've definitely seen a downtick in the, in the take of supremacy. So, but there's just so many other good end phase cards right now. So, um, for objectives. So, yeah, I think the theme that we're seeing and in, in the player base adapting, which I think is really neat is that mm-hmm. people are, are attracted to consistent glory. So if I can score one glory every game and then three glory every two or three games, mm-hmm. I'm probably just going to go with the one glory because I can rely on it. Yeah. Yeah. So. And if it's two glory, probably every game, then <laughs> you're definitely going to take that. Oh, absolutely. I rather, I rather take dominant position over supremacy. I even, I rather take uncontested over supremacy. Right. So yeah, it can sometimes be easier. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, any, any other thoughts on hold objective play? Um, it's it's pretty good right now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all I got. Okie dokie. Uh, so let's go to Hunter. Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. So um, this was something that uh, I was really into in Beastgrave, actually. And my favorite warband there was the Bald Hunt, as many of you know. Yeah. But a lot of the criticism around, surrounding this card was that, you know, how can we make Hunter more accessible to non-innately Hunter warbands? And I think Direchasm has solved this challenge uh, perhaps even too well <laughs> uh, with some of the hunter upgrades so um, what a hunter upgrade does is it's an upgrade that you can place on a fighter and it usually has an additional effect but the main effect really is that this fighter is a hunter and that's really cool uh, you can even use a card like hunting season which temporarily makes every fighter a hunter and a quarry for the round and that's really neat because then you can take cards like hunter's talisman um, absolute stillness um, or, you know, really rely into that, 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 uh, that like brought to bay, like a hunter killing an enemy fighter in enemy territory, right? Now you can rely on those cards and reward yourself for playing an aggressive or semi-aggressive style of play, which the hunter upgrades or the hunter style naturally promotes. Um, one of the cool things that I really like, uh, is the fact that savage strength and savage speed are in the game. Um, savage strength is pretty much great strength, but it makes you a hunter and savage speed makes you a hunter but you gain plus two speed. And the only downside is because I guess you're becoming a little bit more savage is that you lose a defense die. But a lot of fighters in this game only have one defense die. So really, it doesn't really affect them. They become a hunter and boom, they can hit harder and move faster, which I think is hallmark traits of hunter style play. Right? If you look at Wild Hunt and Rippas, they all move fast and hit hard. So I think this is really neat. And I, I, I personally really like it. And Savage strength and speed are everywhere. It's it's insane. Yeah, I mean they're just great cards. Like without the hunter thing, and the cool thing about that, and I think those soul tooth weapons are pretty cool too. Um, I think we have the spear that's probably worth playing right now, and it makes you a hunter. Um, but then if you have enough of those things, and then you have hunting season, suddenly maybe you can take snare. Like maybe that's reliable enough, you know. And uh, hunter's talisman is you know amazing. So. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. I know that um, you've messed around with some different decks that, you know, for war bands that don't have any hunters and suddenly, you know, they, now they have some new options. So um, it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I've got a I've got a Hunter Fiends deck. It's pretty <laughs> mean, you know. Um, I've got a God Sworn Hunter deck that's kind of fun too. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think there's a really really cool synergies there. And one really cool thing about some of these upgrades, um, some of you might not be aware, but if a card is restricted to a hunter, and let's say you've played Hunting Season or your opponent has played Hunting Season, what that essentially means is that that f- that requirement has been fulfilled. Your fighter is a hunter, and that requirement only matters at the time of equipment. So let's say hunting season has been played. Your fighter is now a hunter and a quarry. Your fighter can then be equipped with hunter's talisman. Let's say it's the next round and your fighter is no longer a hunter. It doesn't matter right? because the card was equipped when they were a hunter. So it's a really cool way to uh, reliably get some of those hunter cards needed. Uh, and then like you mentioned, snare as well. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the only exception to that would be if a card said, if this fighter is a quarry or if this fighter is a hunter, and then said the rules, but because some of them do say that, but the most of these hunter ones uh, do not. I think it's maybe only be the quarry ones that do. So, yeah, um, just a little rules <laughs> technicality thing there. But, no, absolutely. But yeah, I think that's cool. I think uh, we've wanted hunter and quarry to be relevant uh, since the beginning of uh, Beastgrave, <laughs> and now uh, in the beginning of Dire Chasm, it's uh, starting to be. So, I think it's great. Oh, one hundred percent. And and I think it's really cool to like take a fighter like Riptooth, for example. <laughs> Uh, give him savage strength, hunter's talisman, and you know trophy belt, and it's it's terrifying, but it's fun for you because you know you're a hunter, and now you can take advantage of some of these you know hallmark cards of Beastgrave and and now Direchasm, and take full advantage of the card set. So the fact that other warbands and older warbands can can now tilt into this is a really cool, great design choice. Very happy with the way they did it because now everyone can be a hunter uh, if they want to. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, let's go to the next one. It is magic, um, which is something that I don't think we saw as much of in Beastgrave. Um, I'm not really sure uh, how widespread I think it's going to be in Diachasm so far. Um, I think you've always been the the player that between the two of us that prefers the magic play style. Um, what do you think of magic in uh, in Diachasm so far? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, magic's always been really fun to me. Um, I, there's no Warhammer without magic. <laughs> and so, um, whether you're in the 41st millennium or in some random star space galaxy, um, the thing it's really cool that, you know, you can tap into that elemental theme here. And the, the challenge is that like a lot of the really good magic cards were in night vault. Yeah. And night vault is just rotated. So we've actually seen uh, magic become less viable than it was, and it was already on the decline in Beastgrave. Yeah. Um, you know, Guardians and Cursebreakers and even Vortimus with the Eyes of the Nine could do it really well, but I think what, what, what happened with magic, and this is my theory, is that magic actually was too strong to begin with. And so we saw this play style where, you know, you could, back in the day, you could spam in power, you know, cast a bunch of spells and you know, guarantee them because of the innate channels. And I think the innate channels rotating out was a big deal for magic users. Um, Curse breakers still have their own copy, but that upgrade of guaranteeing any one channel spell was pretty neat. Um, and so we have this, this, this environment where magic is very strong to begin with, gets hit a lot with restrictions, still very good. And then now we're seeing like more balanced magic cards, like, Mm -hmm. like howling vortex is insane, right? (laughs) It's an insane card yeah. Um, yeah. that you can cast very often. Of course, I never cast it because it was a focus, but you can still <laughs> cast it very often. Yeah, it should be 75%, but... 
Yeah, it's no, it's always 25% for me. Um, and, and like the fact that you can do that, uh, and the fact that magic existed like that to begin with, I think everyone was like, wow, magic's really strong. But as the season has progressed, and what I can only assume to be that the developers are balancing the, the, the magic a little bit more, is that we're actually seeing pretty balanced cards. And the whole point with magic is that it can't work sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think if your warband doesn't have a wizard, then obviously you're not going to play magic. But the fact that like, your warband can have a wizard doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you have to deal, uh, dial into it either. I mean, look at the Wild Hunt. Like, Carthane isn't a bad wizard. Yeah, um, He's a level one. <laughs> When he inspires, which is pretty controllable, I think you he becomes level two, which is awesome, right? That's that's where Stormsire starts. But the, the challenge is again, like there's no way to get past two, right? Like there's no well of power, there's none of that stuff anymore. So I think, and a lot of the, a lot of the damage stuff is now focus. So while I think some of the cards are great, I I really think it only works with Stormsire, you know. And 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 we'll talk about some of that stuff in the in the end phase episode. But like, there's some really neat spells that, um that are cool, but they're not killing you. And I think that's what magic was at the beginning was it's just going to burn your opponent down. But I think now if you want to use magic, it's more of a, it's a supplementary effect, which I think is pretty neat other than magic attack action. So like, I think like blind hunger is a really cool card. For example, you know, it's one channel, pretty easy to cast and you can discard one of the power cards. I bricked my opponent the other day because I randomly picked a card and it was their spectral wings, you know, (laughs) and they couldn't, they couldn't use any of their movement, score their movement cards. And I think that right there is super neat, but we can't look at magic the way we used to, where it's like blow stuff up, cast a bunch of spells, everything dies. It's now more, how can magic help me accomplish my goals or disrupt my opponent? And I think that's where we need to change our mindset as a community. And and I've had to do that myself, but I don't think magic is an archetype anymore. And I think that's how it should be. Magic is like, I I don't want to say poison, but like combo, (laughs) right? Yeah. Like it's a supplementary tool there that you can tap into it you want, but you're never going to make it your core game plan because it simply just can't function like that anymore. And maybe that changes in the future, but I, I don't think I don't think it's like that anymore. I think magic is just something that exists in this game, but you can't make it a core strategy uh, unless you're playing Curse Breakers. Now, even then, I think it's hard. Yeah, yeah, because right? most of the magic, um, with some exceptions, is like tech now. Like Blind Hunger is a great example. Um, Hypnotic Aspect is the push card i've seen hunting bull around um and maybe one other one i think i've seen the the scatter damage that gives hunger tokens whatever that one's called but i'm not sure how reliable all of that is i could see taking like one spell in a you know a wild hunt deck if you know i felt i needed another distraction or i just wanted to be annoying with blind hunger but um, i think you're right i think at this time anyway there's not a way to do like a magic deck that's, you know, has a bunch of innates and plus day dice to magic and, you know, casting a bunch of spells and things like that. Or being rewarded for casting spells. I mean, like yeah, yeah. magical storm was a great card. You know, there's no incentive anymore, really like magical supremacy is pretty easy with curse breakers. Cause you just have to cast two spells. You inspire two people. Boom. You got it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They have their, they have yeah. their built in spells. So they're all, ob- they're obviously going to be good at that. Yeah. Now, now if you look at magic as like, I'm going to kill you with magic attack actions. Then I think there's some play there. And I think there's some really good surges that, that work really well. Um, but, but even then it's like very hard because you generally only have one ranged wizard attack attacker. Um, and you can do it to where, you know, double or triple storm sire can exist because there's three wizards there, but it's, it's not reliable. It's not reliable enough. I think to, to, to fight like a, 
a mortis relic or a lost pages or you know some hunter stuff you know or even hold objective while you're bumbling through your magic stuff they're just scoring glory so i think i think there's a challenge there that you you have to kind of uh focus on really but you know i digress yeah no i think that makes a lot of sense okay um so that was the magic speech (laughs) (laughs) Um, let's go to, to the end. And now we've, we've kind of thrown this one a little bit. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to like upgrade synergies, like you really, you really like it. Um, so to the end, for those of you who aren't aware, you get two glory. If you have no power cards in your power card deck at the end of the game. Um, and this kind of falls hand in hand with frantic exchange because frantic exchange is generally taken, not always, but most of the time yeah. where five cards have been played in one round, um, because you're drawing so much, yeah, one not only you counting the yeah, not only are you counting the draw cards, but then you can play additional cards. Some deck is force you to do like inefficient power card usage, but I mean it's still a it's a surge that you can cycle through the power step, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Um I think I think you do need this card. Or at least draw tech, which I'm gonna lump in with to the end. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if you're gonna focus on upgrades as we've mentioned earlier. Personally, I just I just think it's a little gimmicky, right? Like you I mean, yeah, and it sure it requires investment. Right, like you're probably taking a restricted slot for a draw card, and you're going to take certain cards that help you lend to that playstyle. It's just there's no counterplay there. Um, but regardless for my personal feelings, like I definitely think it's viable. And like if you need a glory boost, take it. And if you're playing an upgrade style synergy or up, up upgrade based scoring synergy, then take it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Basically, if you have two kinds of card draw and you can reliably expect uh, to run out of cards at the end, I think you consider it unless. You're going to have other slower end phase cards that you don't want to slow your deck down. I don't think I would take, I would be, I would be slow to take avatar and to the end because I would be afraid of them breaking, but you could probably do it. Um, I think you do. Yeah. I think that's a choice you make and you just keep one toss the other, right? Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Yeah. Cause you'd have a lot of glory at that point. So. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I think it's gotten harder because uh, a lot of the good card draw is restricted, although we do have the crown now and we have the uh, maybe we have the combo one as well. Um, so there may be some ways to get around it without, uh, you know, taking a frenzy search or a quick search. But uh, I think a lot of the time you'll see one of those slots there. So um, I think that uh, that helps us avoid seeing it too much. But it's definitely viable if uh you know, you want two glory that you definitely will score if everything goes well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, I think, I think it offers. Th- so the draw stuff alone offers the ability to play some of that upgrade based energy stuff, but the to the end, I guess, is pretty nice because even though your game plan might come to fr- might not come to fruition, I guess you still get two glory at the end. Um, right. And I guess blind hunger can really mess with that. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, the next group of cards we have is the set the tempo, and then I would say a little bit separately is meticulous strategy and adaptive strategy. These are the hybrid and dual cards. Set the tempo needs you to score two of each hybrid and dual, and then six cards overall. Meticulous strategy is three or more dual for two glory. Set the tempo is three glory. An adaptive strategy is two glory for five hybrids. Um, these are interesting to me. I have so far not made a deck with these that I like, um, but I have played against people that use these with 
some pretty good effect, um, particularly with the number of hybrid cards that released in the Diachasm box. I think adaptive strategy can be pretty good if you're using most of those. Um, meticulous strategy, even though the requirement of three dual is lower than uh, the other two, I think it's actually harder because of the dual card selection. Um, but that's been my experience with these ones. Um, in, in some ways, these are kind of like Superior Tactician and Combination Strike and those other cards that we've seen before. Uh, maybe they're not quite as good, um, but I would say they're reminiscent. Um, what do you think of these uh, these cards and these sort of packages that you have to take with them? Yeah, so first of all, set the tempo, called it. Um, <laughs> I uh, I think it's great, great on Rippers because they've yeah. got so many, they've got two great cards uh, that are in their, their kit. And one's a dual, one's a hybrid. So, um, I think, I think definitely, definitely, definitely set the tempo is, is probably the card you want for your end phase boom for Rip of Snarfangs. I've seen some people try to do it with Wild Hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I really like the idea. I, I really like the example you gave where they're like weaker versions of some of the glory multipliers we've seen in the past. And I think because of these conditions, they're not as, uh, obvious, which I, I, I do prefer. And I do like that you kind of have to build around them. I'm surprised you haven't really messed with meticulous strategy because I see it a lot in Harrow's decks. Yep, that was the one I actually tried it on, um, but I just ended it up taking it out for um, Ghastly Torment. I think mm, um, I just found it a little bit. I liked. It, I just liked being able to do it in the first round. I, for some reason, I kept drawing meticulous strategy in the first round, and then when I switched it for Ghastly, I still drew Ghastly in the first round more often than not. So <laughs> it's just one of those like weird luck things. You're like, I'm tired of this, but yeah, I don't think it's bad by by any means. It just uh, didn't quite work the way I wanted it to wanted them to work. I agree. I agree. I think I think the latter two are much harder uh, than set the tempo. Uh, interestingly enough, even though it requires a combination of the two. Um, adaptive strategy is, um, is I think the hardest because mm-hmm. it's a lot and kind of clog up your hand. And, and because of that six, six rule now, we, um, we see some challenges here. I do think that you can really have fun with them though, man. Like I, I, I really do like set the tempo. I do like adaptive strategy. I think there's a lot of great hybrid cards that you mentioned. So if you're, if you're tied on glory, go for it. I, I've even seen aggressive strategy. Actually, I used it, uh, the other day. Um, and that's just for scoring, I think, five or more surges. So Yeah, yeah, five or more surges. Like, we could probably lump that one in here as well. It, it doesn't really require you to do anything in particular with your deck. Um, you just have to get through those surges, but uh, it's also a bit of a multiplier, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, I generally, I think glory multipliers, as we've all seen, are really good. Um, but I like the the requirements on these because it makes them not, again, as obvious, and it makes them a little bit harder to use. So um, you really have to build into it, and for that alone, I, I like them because it forces you to make a choice. And if you want some of those glory payouts, uh, then you're going to have to change the way you play the game or play a different faction entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, I think it was, I think it was Nick sent me a deck where he had uh, at least nine hybrid cards. So he said that uh, adaptive strategy was almost uh, auto score. <laughs> and yeah. that's thanks to all the new Diarchasm ones. And so if we get a lot more duels, I think we'll see a lot more meticulous strategy because three really isn't, um, you know, that much of a requirement uh, for two glory. Uh, it's just, you know, what just depends on the dual selection. Um, I guess duels do be, do tend to be a little bit harder to score than hybrids because they only have one scoring condition, whereas hybrids will have two. So that's that's probably the reasoning between, behind the three and five requirements. But 
Yeah. I think path to victory is like the most obvious duel you can think of universally. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's hard because of mischievous spirits. Yeah. I think, I think um, I've tried path to victory. Um, I think brought to bay is a duel. Swift capture. Yeah. Brought to bay is a duel, but you don't really want brought to bay with, with those other ones. So it's, there just, there isn't a ton of synergy. Cause I think I would want to take like five to six dual cards that were reliable if I was going to take meticulous strategy. And I think that's the challenge with it right now. But if we get two or three more good ones, I, I think I'll give it another try. Yeah, absolutely. Something to definitely look look forward to as time yeah. goes on. Yeah, and because we're at the beginning of the season right now, we only have like 30 cards or whatever. So <laughs> I think a lot of these are probably going to uh, you know, get better and then a lot of new styles will probably join them. So Yeah, completely agree. Let's jump to Primacy. Yeah. So primacy is a really cool mechanic. Um, essentially, if you are able to fulfill a number of conditions, or rather uh, a condition from a list of conditions, then you can get the primacy token and you get a spent glory point at the end of the round if you control the primacy token. Uh, easiest ways to do that is one shot a fighter, which is uh, eliminate a fighter with an attack action that had no previous wounds on them, and then they die. Um killing an enemy leader with attack action or holding four objectives which happened to me the other day my opponent <laughs> got on four objectives and i was like oh crap wow. um i was able to get the primacy token back but still it was it was, <laughs> it was really cool to see it happen um which is which was neat because i think some people doubt that but um i think this is a really cool mechanic i really like it it promotes aggression and i think in a land where it is hunt or be hunted um it makes a lot of sense and I think uh, there's some great warbands out there that can take use of it. One of our patrons, Matt, asks, what do you think are the right conditions for a deck or warband to not take primacy cards in their deck right now? Um, so I guess, Jonathan, if you, want, if you want to take a stab at it, you can. I think I have an answer, but if you want to, you can jump in. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's just um, I just wouldn't take it if uh, I don't think I'm particularly good at... Uh, at getting primacy and I don't feel like I need that bonus glory. Um, in my Harrow's deck, for example, I didn't take it because I didn't feel like the cards themselves were better than my other options. Um, and then in that example, I also felt like if I was against somebody with primacy, I may still be able to, you know, beat them out at it. Uh, some of the time, at least um, my goal, if I'm pl not playing primacy uh, is to try to get the primacy at least once um, during the game if the, my opponent is trying to do it. And that way I will, you know, it'll, they'll only get one glory effectively out of it. So if they get two and I get one, it's still a net one for them. So um, letting them get all three is very tough. You want to avoid that for sure. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, so for me, like my idea is like if, if you're not if you don't have a, a way to get to high damage output quickly, you probably don't want primacy. Um, if you're going to give up primacy very quickly and it's actually a hindrance to you, you don't want primacy. And I think I think it's you know you're most likely going to encounter primacy because I think it's going to be popular. I mean, I mean it already is, but on the off chance that your opponent doesn't take primacy, don't introduce it just so that it's at your expense. Yeah, and and. So far, when I'm building decks, I've been taking either Surge of Aggression, which is this surge for gaining the primacy or making a successful attack with four damage, um, and or Awesome Predator, which is the end phase for the same thing, having a four damage attack characteristic or having the primacy token. Um, 
I don't really like the two upgrades um, that are out right now. And I don't like, I guess Thrill of the Hunt is okay because it allows you to take the primacy even if you kill somebody that wasn't full health. Yeah. So I would consider that one um, probably. Um, given how good crushes are and how difficult it is to kill them uh, in one shot, if I'm playing primacy and I think I'm going to see crushes, maybe I would take that one. Um, I don't like that card though. It's not, I don't feel like it's very strong. I just feel like I'm, I might need it. Um so given all of those things, if you're not good at getting four damage um, and you're not sure you can reliably uh, keep the primacy the whole time, I just think you're better off um, not bothering with these cards. And then um, if the enemy does have primacy, you just do what you can to you know, try to mitigate it some. I think so. I think, I think you, you hit the, ha- the, the nail right on the head there. I think... You really got to ask yourself, like, is this gonna if this gonna get me glory or lose me glory? Um, and when I say lose, I mean like increase that differential between you and your opponent. Um, so I, I, generally, I do like it. I think, yeah, crushes, Hrothgorn, Magors, uh, Godsworn, Molog, of course, are all pretty good at it, and I think that's really neat. Yeah, because it encourages aggression. I think again and and uh, um, interactiveness, right? So that's really cool, um, but. I also think it'd be neat if you can prepare for it. So, you know, we haven't seen the full card kit yet, but you know, I'm sure there are ways in which you can manipulate primacy moving forward. And so I think it might be something to keep in mind. Uh, you know, if you feel like your meta is dominated by primacy and war bands. Yeah, that's true. Like basically right now, the only reason I wouldn't take it for some war bands is because I don't like the cards themselves. It's, it actually has less to do with the primacy mechanic and the contest between the two players. Because if I play against crushes, it doesn't matter if I have primacy cards in my deck or not. They probably do. So um, if there are, if, if other cards come out that are really good for, um, say, like the objective warbands or gits or something um, that also have primacy rules, then I think I will take it. So it just it's just going to depend on the card selection. Yeah, it's, it's real early days, right, with the cards. So I think if you're able to naturally just follow your game plan and then gain extra glory along the way, i.e. smash someone's face in consistently, (laughs) then yeah, dude, take it. But, you know, it's kind of hard to build a deck around primacy at this time because of, as you mentioned, the lack of cards. So, yeah, I guess that's all there is to say about it. Yeah, I think so. So the next thing, and I think this is the last thing on uh, our list of mechanics, is the hunger mechanic. Which uh, right now I would say is not really a thing. Um, but other it's than... busted. What? It's busted. <laughs> maybe, There's two maybe. cards and they're busted. Well, that's fair. Yeah. So we do have Hungry Advance and then we do have Ferocious Resistance. Um, Hungry Advance, I think, is just a s- solid uh, card all around. And then Ferocious Resistance is amazing if you have like more than four wounds, probably. Um, but I. I still don't even know if I really consider that like a hunger mechanic because ferocious resilience just gives you the extra dice. You might heal a little bit more. Um, but uh, I just think we don't really know enough about uh, the hunger mechanic yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not a thing yet. Right. So hopefully we'll see that in the future and it becomes something really unique and cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess you can't really build a hunger deck right now. <laughs> I have seen someone play Hungry Bolt, I think, um, but it meh. Like they didn't, they didn't cast it, so <laughs> it didn't, it didn't really end up uh, very relevant. 
That's magic for you. Yeah, that's magic. Okay. Well, I guess that covers some of the the, the strategies and synergies that we're seeing today and, and the unique ones at least. So um, I hope you found that useful. If you have any questions or follow-up questions, do let us know. Um, before we jump into our patron questions, I did want to see if you had any auto-includes, um, Jonathan, for, excuse me, anyone building decks in Direchasm. Yeah, I think so. Um, right now, for me, um, other than the cards that we've already talked about, um, I think I am seeing a lot of Deserve Confidence, which I think is a really great card for the value that it gives you. Um, it's just another great way to get a fighter harder to kill, and because it has to be the third upgrade, I find a lot of the time, you know, especially with all the card draw that I think people are taking, I know I've been taking, um, It's you'll have it out on the first round a lot of the time. So, um, it's amazing. Um, another one is probably, uh, Amberbone sword. I've been taking a lot and seeing a lot. Um, it's good, you know, it's a good weapon and the extra glory is nice. And then, uh, I've been taking a lot of sidestep. Uh, you know, I feel like at the beginning of the season, we always tend to go back to these basic, uh, cards that do, you know, just one thing, but they do it really well. And, uh, sidestep's a great one. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I think you had dominant position on your list as well. Yeah, I did. Um, I we kind of talked about it already. Um, it's I, I do consider it kind of ubiquitous right now. Like if you have, I don't know, four or more fighters, I would probably just take it and see if you can do it because it's too glory. And uh, a lot of the time you'll be able to do it. So uh, I've been taking that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these auto includes we're suggesting are pretty ubiquitous, but um, I guess that's why they're auto includes. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a couple. So similar vein to you i put distraction as one of mine i think mm. pretty common sense but um it's a mirror image of sidestep really <laughs> so it's just so useful in its application and can really bone an opponent or give you an avenue to victory so i really like the the idea there um you're probably already taking it but if you're not please do um one thing that i also really like is the spectral wings package it's what i'm calling it you could probably come up with a better name but Really, it just comes down to tracking, gathered momentum, and winged death. And then, or sorry, not tracking. Uh, gathered momentum, cover ground, and winged death. And then you take cards like Spectral Wings, Savage Speed, Malkin Grace, and tracking, if you can. And it's like three free glory. Um, truly, it's trivial. <laughs> um, I throw it in a lot of my decks with with guys that can move quick. Like if, you're, if your fighter, if your warbands can move four or more, then I think this card, this package, is pretty useful. Um, and it's yeah, I, I think we kind of missed that one. I, I should have put that on the list. So I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, yeah, I think that it's an excellent card package right now. I think I think if you have four move and then access to these ways to get plus two, I think you definitely consider it. The only thing I don't like about it is how much room it takes in your power deck, but it's probably worth it. Yeah, well, it, it's three, right? So you take Spectral, you take Savage Speed, and then yeah. whichever works for you. You know, if you've got a lot of wounds, Malkin Grace can probably do the trick. If you don't, and you can lean into that hunter, you take tracking. Um, but I think it's cool, and and you know you can you can get all you can get all three at once, which I think is awesome for like not really doing anything except moving or maybe charging. So, and then lastly, the card of all cards, <laughs> the Salt Lord <laughs> Rebound. Oh boy, Rebound! I think Rebound is an auto include. <laughs> I think. It is so, so good against some of the 
war bands dominating the scene right now, namely Molog and Crushes. Truly, anyone who can hit you at like three or four damage or higher consistently, rebounding them is just like salt base sprinkling salt on a very nice steak. Like, <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, I I think Molog is is a is actually like not fun to play against. I think it's a negative play experience. And so um, <laughs> he deserves with, rebound. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude, if you're playing Molog and you get rebounded, I don't want to hear anything <laughs> like you deserved it. And it only works a third of the time. So, you know, like it's not even like it's going to happen every time, but I think rebound is great. And I think it's going to make its way back. And I think it's worth the restricted slot because there are so many good cards right now. You don't need to take, like, you know, all these other restricted cards or, you know, you can just take two find replacements that are probably on the same level, if not slightly weaker. But the fact that you can win a game every three games is like what people like to say. Right. But when Moloch tried to come in with like five dice, two rerolls, you know, eight damage, and then he swacks himself in the face, it's a beautiful, glorious feeling. <laughs> and uh, I think I think you should embrace it. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, yeah. And with with the Mortis Relics and the. um the savage strength like he could literally hit himself for like five or six damage <laughs> no yeah and it's also really good for like if you know they're running avatar you know and they, yeah. they don't they haven't scored the card yet rebound okay. them boom <laughs> they lose that investment so yeah no, that, i mean like that's true someone threw a what did they do someone threw a javelin at me with jagathra and i rebounded it <laughs> and it's like it's just a mental image of like a javelin just bouncing <laughs> right back and nailing herself it's so uh, funny to me but uh, yeah, rebound is great, man. Great guard, <laughs> and honestly, it's it's restricted slot. Thirty three percent of the time, it works. It feels like a lot more. I ho- I wish it, I, for your opponent, maybe uh, when you use it, maybe not. But uh, it wins games, man. <laughs> so so your decks right now are rebound, and then you just figure it out from there. Hundred <laughs> percent. Two restricted slots. Yeah. One hundred percent. You take well one restricted slot, right? You take rebound, and then um. But yeah, like, dude, you got to You got to like adapt to the meta, you know? And so yeah. if everyone you're playing with is running Molog and crushes, then sure. make them afraid. I mean, I even ran spiteful lunge the other day, which is a very inefficient card. And I killed a Morgok <laughs> and, and, and the guy's response was that just happened. And I go, yeah, that just happened. And he goes, I'm out. And we laughed about it. Like he didn't leave the game, but he was just like, I concede, you know? And it was like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a one in six chance. You know, it's a silly card. And I, hey, man, I told you, I put it on him. I shouldn't attack the fight. So yeah, he wanted he wanted to roll the dice. So yeah, he wanted he wanted it, and he got it. So that's funny. Yeah. Um, I think other than that, probably the other auto include that I think I'm taking in every deck pretty much is mischievous spirits. Um. Oh yeah, it's just so good, like at everything. So it's real good. Um, I don't know if I have any other ones though, uh, other than like you know, great fortitude and stuff. So I think uh, I think that's uh, probably all I got. Yeah, and I guess we mentioned the savage speed, savage strength. So oh yeah, I mean they're they're just great, whether or not you want the hunter stuff or not. So yeah, <clears throat> you're a hunter, you're a hunter, and you're a hunter. <laughs> yep. Alrighty, before we jump down a rabbit hole, let's jump on to our patron questions here. So uh, first question from Set the Tempo Matt. Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, do you think that Savage that the Savage upgrades are an attempt to bring season one and two warbands 
up to the power level of three and four. Most of the season one warbands don't end up with two defense dice, and the season two ones that do generally haven't needed help to be relevant. In season three, it's really only crushes that don't end up with most fighters on two dice. Hmm. So, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, I'm not sure if, I don't know if it was that, that was their intention, um, but I think it does help, particularly like the Savage Speed is really nice for some of the slower season one war bands, uh, I would imagine. I haven't, I haven't played much Steel Hearts recently, but, uh, <laughs> they, or, you know, Condemners or whatever. Well, well, they inspired it too, right? Steel Hearts? Yeah, they do. They do. I yeah. still think they would take it, but um, I know Bagores, it's great. Um, yeah. Probably the Chosen Axes. Um, have to ask uh, two dwarves and a bear or two bears and a dwarf. I, I forget. I forget what his name is on there. Sounds like trouble. <laughs> He's going to hate me for that. But <laughs> um, I think um, I know there are dwarves think, and bears. <laughs> oh God. Uh, I know that uh, if I'm games workshop, I'm definitely answering that question with, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, we want you to gain all that old war band support. Um, I think uh, truly, I think uh, the whole aspect here is to make good cards that any warband would probably want to take and gain access to the hunter uh, mechanic at the same time right yeah. so i think it's a really good um assumption right that you can just say oh well you know a lot of the older warbands are, are really only one die but i think the game was different back then i think the game was all about killing stuff um and so they made it easier to kill and that crit defense mattered so much more back then um but i really think uh the the biggest benefits are single defense fighters and a lot of them are in season one i think it's really good but like if you look at like some of the best season one warbands right now uh like skaven yeah um they don't need it and like you know they inspire to i think two right uh most of them um magors yeah they need it but they're always relevant because they have such great stats steel hearts inspired it too reavers is great yeah um super good on reavers it's great on guard i guess as well uh, so I guess, yeah, maybe Matt, you're right. There's a lot of, you know, warbands out there. You just don't see them anymore. And I don't think it's because they're hunters or not. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe, maybe we'll see them in the future. So I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's the reason, but I'm a, I'm sure, I'm sure Games Workshop takes credit for it. <laughs> sure. Second question from Compaq. What are your predictions for the Vassal Clash? What three warbands do you think will be the most popular and which one do you think will win? Well, Compaq, do I have an answer for you? I posted an article right before we recorded this. It's live on the path to glory podcast.com. You can check out my meta predictions there to be succinct. My top four and Jonathan, feel free to, uh, to challenge any of these is Molog crushes, Grimwatch and Harrow's in that order with an honorable mention to Hrothgorn's Mantrappers, Thorns of the Bar Queen, Magor's Fiends, and the Worm Spat. Um, I guess, uh, and it's only because like I, I know some really good Worm Spat players, so maybe it's just a niche thing there, but I think Molog is going to win, or Crushes. <laughs> yeah. so I'd be surprised if it was a Molog, because it's just broken right now. <laughs> I don't know. It depends how many people play Rebound, right? Rebound! <laughs> um, Hopefully everyone, man. Oh, that'd be really everybody take a rebound. It'd just be a rebound fest and that'd be great. And I'm just going to be like (laughs) maniacally cackling in the background. Like I'm going to join the chat, laugh and leave. (laughs) So (laughs) 
<laughs> I need like a rebound, like emote or something, or just my face. <laughs> sure. Um, no, I mean, I think I think those are my. I, I think it's clear that those are um, very strong. Um, I think there are a number of war bands that can do very well. Um, they just may not be quite as reliable. Uh, I think that the Dread Pageant actually have quite a bit of game. Um, uh, it just a lot of it comes down to those some of those early attacks and whether or not your fighters stick around long enough. Um, who else? I think uh, I think Wild Hunter pretty good right now. I think I think you said Thorns already. Um, so I think uh, I think we've mentioned Godsworn Hunt being interesting. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I, I think, I think that like the, if we're going to put it in tiers, like, and that's the S tier, I think the A and the B tiers are very, very big. And I think even the S war bands can drop matches to the A and B war bands. Um, it's just not necessarily like what you expect, you know, but I, it's probably like a 60, 40 or I don't know, maybe like a 65, 35 at the, at the most, um, you know, with a good players and good deck construction. So um but, yeah, that's what i think i think uh <clears throat> i think there's clearly some stuff that's very good the amount of wounds you can put on uh, fighters right now is uh, a little silly <laughs> but then you can also take a lot of damage so i had a I, one of my eyes of the nine games recently that i'm sure i'll put the uh, recording up of uh, i killed rothcorn in the in the first round i think with uh, a four damage attack and a two damage attack so <laughs> you can do it sometimes but uh, sometimes they'll get to nine health and heal up before you do it yeah, or you'll hit the first attack, you'll ferocious resistance, and then it's just a waste of your turns. Yeah, so exactly. Rebound. <laughs> sure. Um, the next uh, thing is Val had some data to share from the 16-player uh, cam game event they played yesterday that I thought was interesting. And this kind of goes into what uh, what Warbands we think will be popular in that event. The most popular war bands were crushes and dread pageant. Um, he, he went through the decks and he says only one player went the traditional, uh, hold three objective style. And that was with a Skaven deck. Um, and then only one player, uh, he says one player gets, and I think there was one of the dread pageant players that kind of went into objectives. Um, it looks like everybody else pretty much went aggro, um, with a little bit of flex, um, and it seems like there was a fair amount of Voltroning. Um, he says there was one Hunter Molog who was unlucky enough to get killed very early in almost every game. So I, I'm sure you would have loved to be, be there yelling rebound <laughs> 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 or die, troll, die. <laughs> well, so who won this one again? Um, um, this one was uh, RG one. With, oh, this is the, pu- the purifier? Yeah, with the purifiers. They, uh, Interesting. And I, I guess it was almost um, Crusher versus Crusher in the semifinal. I think there were some very, very close games. Um, and then Val's Crushes uh, were defeated by the Purifiers. So I wonder, uh, I, w- I would have liked to see that. That sounds like a cool game. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and you know, that goes to show that it, it doesn't matter what, you know, everyone thinks. And, and, and to an extent, you know, while I think our opinions are, I guess, relevant i we, we we're, we're always wrong right like oh yeah we, we can see war bands that can come out of nowhere and just do really well piloted by really great players you know like Despoilers doing really well in a previous event uh, eyes of the nine were really popular or, or doing really well you know by a certain player uh 
you know, in the end of Beast Grave. So I think there's a lot of opportunity here to to prove a lot of people wrong, including yourself, maybe. You know, like if you don't think a, a warband is good, play it. Make it good. Yeah. Go win. Take rebound. It's great stuff. <laughs> as long as you have rebound, you you can't do you can't really go wrong, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's just it's just for fun, and uh, <laughs> I, I like I like messing with some of my friends who like Molog personally. So I'm, I'm never going to stop teasing them, and, and I think they know that. But um, and, and you know, and, and they're all gracious enough to listen, so I do appreciate them listening to the podcast. Um, but uh, I, I do think it's I really think aside from Molog, I think it's great. It's great against crushes. It's great against Magors. It's it's great against like a a Hrothcorn, a Briar Queen. I mean, Sepsimus, like it's. It's really powerful, and uh, you know, like even even like, dude, I played uh, Convoy the other day, and he had like a four damage, like champion swinging at uh, my curse breaker, oh. and uh, Yara's instant shield uh, went off, but I still failed the roll, but rebound went off, you know, and it's like it, it comes in clutch, man, and so I think uh, I think you I think you should I think it's something you consider. I, I, I joke to an extent that it's an auto include, but like for me personally, like. Having blind luck save you know save your behind every once in a while is, is is sorely needed and it happens all the time. You know, whether you're I mean whatever you do, like luck is important. And, and I think if it helps you win a game every once in a while, why not? And it, it really messes with your opponents too. It's a mental game as well, because now they're afraid, like, are they gonna rebound this one? Are they gonna rebound this one? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and it's 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 actually a really good psychological effect on the game. And and I think that is something that people underestimate in other in underworlds. And you lose some of that you know, behind a, a screen, but in person, like when you rebound someone and like, they're, they're just like face just changes, like, dude, take advantage, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, uh, I think that it's a card that's gotten a lot of flack and I, I don't think it's my favorite card, uh, in the game, but I think that with, uh, it being restricted, I think that's a good balance and, uh, you know, cause it comes at a cost. So. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving up a slot. I'm giving up Godland of dominance. I'm giving up, you know, vision of glory. I'm giving up. Yeah. So, you know, something hidden purpose, even for a one in three chance, like it's okay. And and I get it. It's not a feel good card when it works for you or when it works against you. Yeah. And like, I'm looking forward to it rotating out, but while it's here, I'm going to take advantage of it. Uh, sure. Yeah. Because, if, because I'm meta. If, if they're going to, if they're going to heal for five with ferocious resilience, then <clears throat> it's, if you want to rebound them, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. Cool. Well, uh, thanks to Val for uh, that information, and I'm very interested to see uh, how the Vassal event goes, uh, the big one. Yeah, I think I think Nick mentioned. Did Nick mention that there was an event uh, in Italy? Oh, okay. Or no, no. I think it was Gerard. I think Gerard said that there was an event in Spain and Malag won. Oh, okay. Like a small one. So, you know, I mean. He's there. So, I mean, if he's meta and crushes our meta, then plan for it, regardless if, you know, you take rebound or not. Like, when you're building decks, just make sure you think you think about what's the best out there and can your deck handle them. And if not, make it to where it does or play something else. That's just my, that's my motto. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to have a plan. And uh, that's why I think it's, uh, you know, useful to have articles and stuff like the one you posted today, because uh, those are things that, you know, everyone should probably plan for. So, yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, cool. Was there anything else you want to talk about as far as deck building and meta stuff for Dire Chasm? No, I just want to say rebound one more time. Rebound. <laughs> oh, rebound. It's that 
has that clenching effect, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a great way to phrase it. I think we've used so many, like, I think a phrase I hear a lot is like pucker up, but I think the clenching effect <laughs> that is now that's, that's now trademarked. That's the, that's the one we all have to use. Um, very, very nice. Um, I guess seriously though, mess around with warbands, man. Like, yeah. you know, who, you know, if you're, if you're listening, like really think about what warbands can work. And while all of them may not operate at like that a level or S level, you know, in whatever tier list that, you know, we create or someone else creates, like think about how you can take an older warband or one that people may not necessarily be familiar with. Like, I think there's some serious play with chosen axes. I'm not like, you know, trying to, you know, help out like our patron here, but like, yeah, dude, like they can, they can hit like double damage on a charge. If you roll a crit, there's plenty of ways where you can get extra dice. Savage speed is great on them. They like to hold objectives. Maybe you don't even need to, but like, yeah, they hit like they hit pretty hard and they're pretty tanky. Um, yeah. And so, you know, if you can if you can control the 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 end phase and the positioning, you get some inspired dwarves, you score dominant position, maybe uncontested. And then you're 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 in business. So, you know, like maybe that's a pipe dream, maybe it's not, but like the fact that you can even have that conversation at this point of the game, I think is really cool. So think about that. Think about all the other warbands and see what you can make work, man. Prove us wrong, please. Yeah. Yeah, this is that's one of the cool things about the beginning of beginning of a season like this, and like I think they did a particularly good job with the uh, first Diarchasm set because a lot of those cards can be used by a lot of different warbands, and just the fact there are so many of them, I guess, helps as well. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with. I played Harrows for a while. I played Magors a lot. I played uh, some Eyes of the Nine, and I might mess with them some more. And like every warband, I think is worth looking at fresh right now and just seeing what you can do because I think there's a lot. So. Uh, yeah it's a really cool time, uh, for the game i think what a time <laughs> cool um well i think that's going to be it for this episode uh if you are a patreon supporter be sure to check out the exclusive end phase episode on patreon where we'll talk about the curse breaker deck that Amon has been playing recently uh once again thank you so much to our patreon supporters if you'd like to join our current patrons you can do so at patreon.com slash path to glory you can find all of our blog content on path to glory podcast.com if you have any feedback questions or comments let us know on facebook twitter or discord at path to glory podcast please rate and subscribe to the podcast on itunes spotify or wherever you listen as always thanks for listening and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory okay one last time just take rebound please for the love of god kill Molog with rebound do it <laughs> also godsworn and rebound that's fun but just rebound really mm-hmm.